Welcome, everyone, and thank you so very much for joining me for another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, all things cloud, no holds barred. I mean, we'll talk about anything cloud, SaaS, PaaS, IaaS, FaaS, functions, containers, Kubernetes. I mean, we'll talk about it all. And it doesn't always have to be about security, but we tend to lean that way since we understand that that's really a critical part of this whole thing we call cloud computing. Now, I've told you before, I'll tell you again, I am no expert, but being in the biz for a few years, I got a line on a lot of them. And man, I am fortunate. I went deep this time and I got uh, I just got a great guest, someone I've known for a long, long time. And this guy, I mean, he's really demonstrated how people are supposed to climb the career path and, and really is quite accomplished. I'm excited to have a conversation with him in particular about the company he's with, because guess what they do? Cloud stuff. So, uh, you know, I've known James... Gosh, I think it's probably now nearly two decades. And when we first met, he just reminded me he probably wasn't even able to drink legally. Uh, and now he is the senior vice president of sales worldwide for Aviatrix. It's James Weinbrenner. He's my guest today. James, thank you very, very much for joining me today. Grant, it's great. It's great to be here, and uh, and it's great to get to, to talk to you again. And 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 I think you're right. I think it's two decades. I remember. Uh, I remember the first time I met you at a at a checkpoint event shortly after, uh, shortly after you were acquired in, and I saw you speak uh, at a at a customer partner event in New York City, and and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, I remember. Boy, you know, we had some great times back then. Uh, you know, that I always tell people, you know, when I went to work for Checkpoint the first time when we worked together, the acquisition of MetaInfo pushed Checkpoint just up over 400 employees. And this was in the spring of 1998, as you know. And so a lot has changed. Uh, but ironically, uh, Deja Vu all over again went to work for Zohar. And then three months later, uh Checkpoint acquired us, and and I'm back. So, uh, you know, you've been busy, and you've obviously been stepping up the rungs. Why don't you take a minute, James, and just pick up uh, where, I don't know, probably close to two decades ago when I bought MediInfo back and you went on your way. What have you been up to? What are you doing now? And then maybe spend a little bit of time telling me and the audience about Aviatrix. Sure. So, so it's it's uh, it's been a busy couple uh, busy couple of decades, and uh, I had a, I had a great run with with Checkpoint Software. Uh, really cut my teeth in, in in a couple of different roles there uh, on the tactical marketing and the SE and and, uh, and engineering sides, and uh, and and then you know I, I, I wanted to get broader uh, and understand a little bit more outside of just the world of security, and I had a, a great run with uh, with Cisco Systems for. Uh, for for gosh about eight years and uh, uh, I got bit by the startup bug and uh, had a had an opportunity to go work with just a, a phenomenal founding team um, uh, in what uh, what now seems like everybody's been talking about forever but but back in uh, in 2013 nobody even knew what what uh, SD WAN was 
Uh, and there was a, a really, really, really great opportunity to disrupt the market that had you know, kind of sat around for 10, 15 years. Nobody had really done anything since MPLS came out in, uh, in the late 90s. And uh, had a had an absolute blast building uh, go to market for a company called Viptela, and uh, did that for about four four and a half years. And uh, and uh, guess what? What's old is new again. Cisco bought us in uh, in August of 2017, and I uh, I had a Cisco badge again, hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, had 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 the opportunity to integrate uh, Viptela into Cisco and and kind of uh, run that business and see it grow for for about two years. Um, and uh, had a blast doing that, but was definitely ready to to do something, uh, do something else, and, and and get to build again. I, I really really enjoyed that opportunity, and um, and you know I saw I saw where the future was going, and I saw that we've been talking about cloud for a long long time, but the conversations you know that I would have with infrastructure leaders and with CIOs. You know, uh, it went from talking 80% about what was happening in their data center and in their WAN and, you know, 20% of the time about what their cloud strategy was to, you know, over the last couple of years, uh, that, that got flipped on its head. And, and you know, more and more and more, more and more and more, we saw people focused on cloud. And Aviatrix was a cloud native, uh, born in the cloud networking infrastructure company and uh, looking to build out a, a, a an enterprise go-to-market and, uh, you know, it was love at first sight for me. Awesome. So, so what, I mean, first of all, I think you're spot on and it is interesting how this whole things went on its ear and, you know, cloud strategy used to be, yeah, we use Salesforce, right? I mean, that was cloud strategy. And then, you know, it kind of started to change, but boy, in the last five years, unbelievable. And, and, and the uptick is uh, going crazy. And, you know, this whole SD-WAN thing, I, I, I say we're in the era of software-defined everything now. And it really is one of the reasons for companies like Aviatrix and, you know, Dome 9, right, to protect the users from themselves, really, because uh, there's lots going on in the cloud now, right? Absolutely, and and I think you're you're spot on relative to software defined everything. I think uh, you know the the idea of of people wanting to uh, or people being willing to take and you know manage things on a on a device by device you know sort of discrete configuration basis is is just everybody's past that right. We we've moved towards a controller based architecture for for everything that we do. That's certainly core to what what we're doing at Aviatrix in the cloud. Uh, and then we've seen, you know, infrastructure folks that used to be very comfortable with that command line interface and the the you know sort of box or appliance based approach, uh, and they've moved they've moved and gotten completely on board with the idea that you know infrastructure is code, yep. and and that that was a requirement in order for them to be able to operate at the velocity that that the you know the lines of business which were really driving cloud adoption at the velocity that they wanted. Yep. Yep. It's funny you say that because, you know, one of the things I just spoke on a, a webinar for a new Swiss partner. I was on, you know, at five this morning. Uh, but one of the things that I talked about was that if you don't look to find cloud native tools that can allow you to truly, I mean, if you have to put your hand on the keyboard for every time you get an alert, and I always remind everyone in the API world, we don't touch your junk. We just tell you there's a problem. You got to go fix it unless 
you automate that process. And that's where people have to understand, you know, we'll never take advantage of it if we don't take advantage of it. Not to sound, you know, repetitive, but you know what I'm saying is we'll never really be able to make everything we can make out of the cloud if we don't adopt these cloud native capabilities. Would you agree? I mean, is that right? I absolutely agree. And, and, and I think that, you know, if you look at the, the, the adoption of cloud by, by these enterprise customers, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been, you know, primarily driven, you know, by, by the, the, the lines of business, by the people that were frustrated with IT. You know, this is where it all started. It was, you know, everybody liked to call it DevOps, uh, you know, to, to make it to make it sound good. But but it, it's it's what we've been calling skunk works for the last 20 years. It's like <laughs> I don't need somebody telling me how to do things. Yep. Uh, I, I, I've got my own full stack engineer. I know exactly what I'm trying to accomplish. I've got a you know, I've got an American Express card and an AWS account. And boom, I'm, I'm, I'm off to the races. I always and, joke. I always joke and say it's deja vu all over again. But it's worse when you look at what happened when Stanford released virtualization. Right. I mean, when that yep. first came out, you know, and it was VM server, nobody had it in prod, but everybody was messing around with it somewhere, whether it was in development or test or whatever. Right. And it was the same thing. And it was because they could move so quickly. I didn't have to call up and procure a new box and wait for a month or whatever. Right. We're in that again, but it's actually exacerbated because now I don't need a card key to get into your data center. I can get to it from anywhere on the planet. It, exactly. And, and, and you're, you're running you know, typically two or three different, uh, effectively two or three different data center platforms, right. Uh, yes. Across the, across the different providers. Exactly. And that, you know, when, 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 when we look at, you know, when we look at people who they started out in that, you know, sort of, this is just my application. It's my world. I really don't care what the rest of uh, the company is doing. Uh, you know, they were able to they were able to move quickly, right? They could break things; it was fine. Uh, they were to get accomplished what they wanted. But but more and more, first of all, there was that wasn't just happening in in one line of business. That was happening all over the place. And so yeah. you had literally hundreds of these applications popping up. And and like everything else, uh, you know, as those applications start to have more and more dependencies on each other. Guess what? Now somebody does care how everything is communicating. And when security puts up their hand and says, well, wait, wait a minute, you know, this this data, I don't even I don't even know where this data is. Yep. Uh, I, I need to be able to have I need to be able to have visibility into this. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, we're right back to, to kind of the same problem statements just at a scale and at a velocity that, you know, that we've, we've, we've really not seen before. So spot on. And it's exactly what I say is you thought sprawl was bad when you implemented virtualization. <laughs> Think about it now where I just say, hey, James, what's your username and password? Man, I got to get this job done. You know, it's not like give me your card key. I've got to get into the data center. Right. Yep. And and the sprawl where, oh, I'll, I'll make sure I delete everything. Uh, if I connect it to the database, I'll disconnect. Right. But what happens is that doesn't always occur. Right. And that's where compliance falls apart and, and companies have big problems. But it is the appeal of its accessibility, isn't it, that people want to rush to the cloud? And in fact, aren't the cloud providers saying, hey, come on, come on up. It's easy. It's it. Yeah. It's not only is it easy, um, uh, but but we'll make it we'll make it as easy and as comfortable 
uh, for you to check in. Uh, they won't they won't tell you that you can never leave, but uh, <laughs> uh, but, but there's, there's hotel definitely a of the hotel California going on. Yeah, um, and I think that that is part of the challenge, Grant. And I know I know you see it too. Is is it is easy. You know, when we talk about doing, you know, doing it, you know, once or twice, five times, uh, w- when we look at the scale uh, uh, of these of these, you know, migrations, uh, both, you know, legacy infrastructure moving into the cloud as well as the new builds. Uh, I mean, I, I talk to customers now, you know, every month that that are that are in the thousands of VPCs and VNets mm. and, and managing that infrastructure at that scale. Um, you know, it's different with, than one again, or two. The same <laughs> expectation of velocity yeah. of the guy that said, "Hey, I know how to do this. I spun this up." So it's a very interesting challenge for 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 infrastructure leaders and for and for operators. Yeah. So tell tell our listeners about Aviatrix. I want to you know give me a commercial if you will, but I, I I'm really interested, and I know you've been working with Checkpoint and we partnered up with you guys, but. I'd love to hear more about what you do, what your value proposition is, and you know, I'm sure our listeners will be real interested in hearing about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so the, the value proposition is simple. Network leaders recognize that in order to effectively operate something at scale, they need an architecture. And you know, we had this, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago with with you know core distribution access. Um, and you know, even if you weren't running Cisco infrastructure, chances were you were running it in a, in, a, in that Cisco core distribution access kind of uh, uh, kind of architecture. And then we migrated to to, uh, to a spine leaf architecture in the data center. And the challenge that we we see in the cloud is um, there has been no infrastructure architecture because again, the the cloud providers just say go build right, and and you build the way you want to build, and you build the way you want to build. And, and, you know, eventually IT is left looking for, hey, I need a consistent uh, architecture and operating model to, to be able to scale this across, uh, across you know, multiple regions, multiple clouds, et cetera. And, and that's where Aviatrix comes in. So, so we have a, a networking platform that is fully cloud native. Uh, we're not bringing a, you know, a legacy router in and trying to run it on an instance and say, hey, this is now it's cloud networking. No, we, we were designed from the ground up to provide enterprise class uh, uh, data plane and control plane services for for the network, so that so that our customers uh, have full control. They have full traffic engineering capability. They have full um, uh, operational visibility uh, across you know single clouds with multiple regions, across multiple clouds, one operating model. And um, and and you know as you mentioned, we're we're partnered with with Checkpoint. One of the one of the use cases that we see all the time. Is for for uh, uh, enterprises that are looking to bring their security controls in, right? Um, we believe that the DMZ, as we knew it, you know, five years ago, is going to be completely gone in another five years. All of those security controls are going to have to live natively in the cloud, uh, and so making sure that the the right traffic gets to the right control, that's part of what Aviatrix does in the platform. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think uh, the DMZ, as they say in Europe, the DMZ, you know, it's kind of reminiscent and and hangs on to our old way of looking at clearly defined perimeters and physical things, right? Here's the inside, so that must be the outside of my network. And we all know the cloud is, where's the boundary between... IaaS, PaaS, SaaS, I mean, there isn't any other than the ones we 
put in with software, right? So it is completely different. And I, I think we do, we have to constantly remind our customers, and I suspect you guys do this, to not look at it through the old lens, right? To look at it differently, to to see the potential of leveraging the technology differently. Because, you know, I was talking to a guy the other day, I'd be curious what you think of this. He's telling me that now there's new products that are actually using functions in a manner that uh, stands up a connection, sends a packet, tears it back down and stands up a fresh one to obfuscate the file. I thought that was pretty remarkable. It is, and 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 it's it's incredible when you look at. I mean, the, the all of the new innovation around uh, around a microservices architecture, and you know certainly containerization, and and you know this idea of I've got you know traditional workloads that are interacting with you know things that are completely ephemeral, um, uh, and and the the challenge is. It, it all has to work, right? Our enterprise customers, and I know, I know Checkpoint uses the same way. Uh, they're not building one, you know, monolithic application anymore and just and, and just running on it. They're they're pulling all these different things, pulling things out of the legacy data center, lifting and shifting those into the cloud. Then there's things that they've developed directly in the cloud. They're leveraging the best of the cloud providers for what the providers are good at. There's, you know, we're seeing a massive adoption of certain platforms uh, from Azure because. Uh, the value proposition is so strong, yep. uh, but but what about when that platform needs access to a to an S3 bucket that's that's in AWS? So the the requirement to have a consistent multi cloud network architecture that it, that allows you know customers to deal with the the legacy workloads, the way their new applications are being deployed, but but with enterprise class network capability and and visibility is yep. is is really key. You hit on it, you know, jumping in, doing it once is is one thing. But uh, when you talk about the scale that you're referring to, it's it's virtually impossible to really use the cloud in a native way without proper tools, without new tools. In fact, I'm sure you guys pay the Gartner tax. Um, you know, there's a very interesting document that Neil... McDonald and Tom Kroll published last October where, you know, they're suggesting you can actually make the public cloud data center more secure than your on-premise data center. But it requires using, you know, automation and auto remediation uh, and really clear processes. It would seem one of the things you guys are bringing to the table is kind of a unifying and harmonizing so I can bring all these disparate network environments together, but look at them from a, a single perspective. Is that, is that what you guys do? It is. And, and, and it's, it's exactly that, that concept of, I need, uh, I need a process that I follow and I need a consistent architecture that allows my customer, my, my, my business customer to continue to build uh, new infrastructure as fast as they want. Uh, but that as the infrastructure owner, as the person that's, you know, getting the phone call at, you know, two in the morning when something breaks, I know that I've got a consistent platform. I know that things have been built uh, in, in a way that conforms to the architecture. And I've got the, the tools I need to be able to go and, and to troubleshoot and, and to get to the bottom of the problem very quickly. And, you know, and, and, the, and the interesting thing, Grant, that, that we see is, you know, again, it's 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 a little bit of of you know what, what's old is new again, right? We, we build out an architecture. We understand now. Okay, here's where 
Here's where our, our shared services sit. Here's where our egress sits. This is how extranet works. This is where all of our security controls are. And, and you know, more than 70% of our customers, they don't ever interact with the Aviatrix platform through the GUI. They, they use the API and they use Terraform and they turn back around to their, to their internal, internal customers and say, you guys can go build as, as much as you want. You just leverage, you know, you leverage this platform and then we know that everything you're building from a security perspective is going to be conformed. We have the right security controls inserted in, into the right uh, traffic flows. We've got, you know, uh, active mesh. We have the redundancy we've built in. We have the troubleshooting tools to be able to run, you know, again, across multiple environments. Because the, the line of business only cares about their their little application, their one environment. Right. But how that interacts with the rest of the infrastructure, that's the, that's the responsibility of the infrastructure team. And that's who, you know, that's who we're, we're trying to make life simple for. Got it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So, really, you guys, you provide the enterprise-level tool set for an enterprise to really take full advantage of these multi-cloud environments and not be burdened with the nuances and differences between one and the next? I mean, is that is that an accurate it, it, Exactly. We, we build that. We build that abstraction layer at, at the data plane and the control plane so that so effectively the company can write once. Um, and then run that environment across across multiple across multiple clouds. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I I met with you know kind of back to the DMZ discussion. I met with a met with a customer at reInvent this past year who you know had 400 VPCs running, um, and we're just starting to look at uh, at, at at kind of expanding what what they're going to start to do from a shared services perspective. You know, instead of having to come back to the come back to the physical data center for things. But all, every one of their security controls still lived in a physical DMZ mm. in, in, in the data center. Mm. So all of their inter, all of their inter VPC traffic was having to hairpin back mm. down to the data center, run through those controls, and come back up. And you know, lo and behold, uh, you know that they, they found out that that a few people had said, "No, I think we, we want to do egress uh, directly from our VPC." So the security team didn't even have visibility into what was going on. Wow. And and that you know that is the challenge that 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 that, that uh, our customers face right is is I've got to be able to I've got to be able to provide a consistent architecture that doesn't get in the way of the velocity that the business wants allows them to build as fast as they want to take advantage of the tools you know I can't build out in just AWS because you know what if they want to have access to the the TensorFlow you know implementation that the Google has in GCP right I need to have a tool set yep. that lets lets the business use whatever they need to be competitive uh, but I still have the consistency in terms of both the the, the enterprise class functions and and the day two operations capability to 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 be able to to effectively run the environment got it so let me ask you know um, we hear all the time that. You know, it's easy. Just lift and shift. Come on up. If you were talking to the enterprise customer that is hearing that chatter from the cloud providers, what two or three things would you want to put in front of them to remind them to consider before they before they bite? But before you answer, I need to pay the bills. So hang on one second. I'll be right back. How well are you protected in the cloud? How fast do you move when the cloud moves at the speed of DevOps? And do you have the confidence you see everything you need to see, good or bad? Checkpoint Software. Cloud with confidence. See it. 
Control it. Secure it. Okay, so what sage advice or counsel would you provide to me, an enterprise that's hearing the cloud provider say, lift and shift, come on, it's easy? I, I, I would say that, you know, day one building in the cloud is easy. Uh, day two is every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> and so... So the, the the fact that you can you know that you can you know build incredibly fast with scripting and and, and infrastructure as code, um, the fact that you can you know lift and shift workloads and, and have them up and running very quickly, uh, that's 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 not uh, it's it, it's 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 not inaccurate, uh, but it's only it's only a fraction of of what you're going to be dealing with long term. So the the importance of really thinking through what what does my multi-cloud network architecture need to look like what security controls live on-prem today that i'm going to need to bring into the cloud not tomorrow but over the next six months 12 months 18 months how do i architect so that i'm ready for that um you know even if i'm a single cloud today do I really want to build an architecture that doesn't allow me to easily scale into other clouds? I had a, a customer, uh, in fact, I had a, a customer town hall uh, two weeks ago, and, and um, they came on and talked about the fact that, that they were adamant, we are, we are AWS, we are AWS, we are AWS. Now they're in lots of regions with AWS, huge cloud infrastructure. Um, but, you know, we, we got a phone call from them about three months ago saying, guess what? Good news is uh, we just signed a new customer. Uh, the The challenge is uh, they are demanding that we're, we run their infrastructure on GCP. Hmm. So the good the good news for them is they built out a multi cloud architecture with Aviatrix that allowed them to very readily extend uh, their operating environment directly into GCP and didn't change anything from a, from an operational perspective. And they stood it up in about about two and a half weeks. Um, but but for for people that have have locked in and have built only to one of the underlying cloud providers constructs, that becomes a very very challenging proposition. So that that you know, be careful before you start. You know, put that architecture in place. Think about day two because that's every day for the rest of your life. Um, and and really be thinking about you know not just the particular application that's being stood up today, but again you know I, I challenge every customer we talk to. What what if you what if you have no data centers in two years? But if every control, every function, every, you know, your extranet environment, your, your, your security environments, and they all have to, to exist in the cloud, what does that do to, to, your, to your cloud networking architecture? Yep. I don't think that that's that far off, really, James. You know, I mean, certainly organizations, you know it. I mean, we've been around uh, in this industry long enough, and we've seen the startups. They don't need a data center. I mean, Dome 9 you know, operated for seven, eight years. There was no data center. So, you know, those that are born and make use of the cloud from day one, uh, literally, they don't need a data center. I think one of the things we see in America, and I'd be curious your comment on this, but, you know, when contrasted with someplace like uh, India, for example, um, India does not have the legacy fixed infrastructure to the degree that America does. And and that's a double-edged sword because, you know, America, we want to drag it along. 
right? We want to bring it with us uh, because I don't have a cloud app for that. Whereas there was a lot more and continues, I think, to be a lot more rapid adoption of cloud in places like India because they don't have that massive legacy infrastructure that they drag along. I mean, do you see that? I think, you know, we, 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 we have just over 450 customers at, at Aviatrix. And, and this is, you know, interesting segmentation that we do because, um, you know, more than half of those are, are, are essentially, as you said, they're born in the cloud companies, right? They're companies that, that have, have really never owned um, a legacy data center. They've, they've fundamentally built out their entire uh, IT environment in, uh, in the cloud. And, you know, that has its own set of challenges, needs its own, you know, operating model, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but then the other half, the other half are the ones that have, you know, have been running in this hybrid mode yeah. um, where, you know, maybe they've, maybe it's all, they're cloud first, right? They're not cloud only. Yeah. Um, what, what I will tell you, though, is, you know, in the emerging markets, yes. And in, in, in the, you know, born in the cloud, we see, you know, people don't even think about a data center. What we've seen in the last three months with the situation with with COVID is companies that were continuing to operate a, a physical data center infrastructure and were maybe taking their migration slowly have have accelerated massively. Yep. Uh, and and they are we've seen project deadlines get pulled in for decommissioning physical data centers, uh, and it's just again it, it is reiterating the importance of having. You know, having that uh, that architecture in place, having the the platform ready uh, to be able to, to to move those workloads and enable that infrastructure across, you know, again, you know, m- multiple regions and multiple clouds. Yep. So, you know, it's funny. I was just uh, I mean, I was a minute late for getting on this call with you, James, because I had just uh, participated in a, a roundtable where we were the host and I had. I think there were like 14 CISOs from, you know, a bunch of different companies. And it was really interesting because one of the things that clearly came out or has come out of this whole uh, new normal, I guess, this COVID thing was it didn't necessarily change, but it drastically accelerated perspectives and directions. And what I mean is every one of these guys and gals spoke about plans to have more remote capability, but not nearly at the rate at which they had to adopt it. And so I thought it was really interesting. And one of the questions where I'm going, and I want to ask you, how much memory are we going to have, James? And memory in the context of, you know, if you take a a really thick rubber band and you stretch it and then you let go, it's got almost 100% memory back to how it was. How much memory is corporate America going to have in the way we functioned and operated once we get over this whole uh, infectious disease threat, what have you? Again, it's not a change in strategy; it's an acceleration of strategy. And you know whether it's the whether it's the work from home environments that you know that that are enabled by uh, by you know VPN solutions, which you know I think back again, you know, kind of back when we started with secure remote and secure client twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, you, know, p- you know, effectively now people are, are running 
30%, 40%, in some cases, 50% of the workforce is remotely, yep. you know, and that is their primary connectivity. And, and, and I think that, again, is something that um, was already starting to happen more and more, but is, is going to be definitely the new normal from an infrastructure perspective and a data center perspective. You know, I didn't know of any CIO who was going to the board, you know, asking for a hundred million dollars to go build out a new physical data center. Amen. Um, everybody man. was everybody was looking at how do I leverage, you know, uh, colo space, uh, and how do I leverage the cloud? And I think that that this this demonstrates not just the the need to have those facilities in place for you know burst capacity so to speak yep. but but really as the hey this is our strategy this is the way that we can go and, and move and respond very quickly and we've got a number of customers in the in the hospitality and, and, and travel industries and you know the the benefit of of the cloud infrastructure being you know being ephemeral was evident right we saw oh. some customers spend capacity down, 80% over the course of a week or two just to try and stabilize the business. And, you know, and, and so I think, again, that trend was already happening. This just accelerated it. And I think to your question on the memory, uh, we're, not, we're not snapping back. Yeah, I agree. It seems like more and more companies as they move to the cloud are going to want to have more than just all my eggs in one basket. That's where you guys also really play significantly, isn't it? We, we we do and, and and I don't see I don't see this as the you know everybody always asks oh well, you know what if I, what if I could you know move a workload from one one uh, hyperscale provider to the other and save you know ten cents an hour or something that that's not the way our customers are looking at it they're looking at it as uh, I don't want to pay to operate multiple environments right there's very little competitive advantage for me to have a dedicated team. That, that understands how to do all of the, uh, you know, all of the infrastructure scripting in, you know, in, in, in multiple environments. I want to do it once and be able to scale that out because then the optionality that that gives me in terms of, of hey, I'm going to launch a new product. I can launch that product on GCP instead of being forced to launch it on AWS. Um, that's where the, that's where they're going to be able to drive, you know, that's where they're going to drive savings, right? They don't want that lock in. Right. Uh, I met with a I met with a chief product officer for you know for a, a, a great you know great uh, IT infrastructure company um, uh, two weeks ago and he said you know what you guys you guys provide the ability for my team to to manage one consistent network across you know today we're in in Azure I'm sorry in uh, GCP and, and AWS for them uh, and we're going into Azure next year and he said you know why I I, I don't like the cloud economics. I don't like being told that I, you know, I have to pay this because right. I'm. This is this is all margin for me, right? The, the, in my product, I said, and so you guys give me the optionality that I know I'm running one consistent infrastructure, uh, and, and I can make decisions strategically on where I'm going to put, you know, put the next product offering based on what's best for the business, and where I can get the best, uh, where I can get the best economics, and and so that optionality, but with a consistent, you know, operating model, and and, and again, back to the Hotel California yeah. <laughs> example. You know, we, we, we want to make it just as easy to say, hey, it makes sense to put to put this product or this workload, you know, here. Um, and, and we're not having to build out a completely separate uh, uh, operating team to in order to do so. Yeah, right. Wow. Pretty cool stuff, man. Pretty cool stuff. You know, I really have enjoyed talking with you, James. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you're a big dog now, and I am impressed and, and proud of you, man. You've done really great for yourself, and uh, I wish you, you know, all the success in the world. Of course, if there's ever any way I can ever help you, please let me know. 
but thank you very, very much for enlightening all of us on aviatrics and uh, some of the challenges we need to look out for. Thanks a lot. Grant, thank you so much. It's, it's, it's always great to talk to you and, uh, and, and definitely look forward to, to, to doing this again soon. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. There, we're closing the books on another episode. James Weinbrenner, known him for a couple of decades. Great guy. Really uh, an exciting company, Aviatrix. You check it out. And, uh, hey, thanks for tuning in. If you're liking what you're hearing, share it, pass it on, subscribe. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back for another episode of Talking Cloud. Thanks very much. Yeah. Yeah.